When you look in the mirror, do you like what you see or do you wish your body looked different? Are you comparing yourself to the models you see in magazines? And have you ridden the diet roller coaster trying to lose weight and alter your body size? I've done all of this. And if you're like me, it probably made you feel pretty lousy about yourself. And if so, you'll like today's podcast episode on how our body image impacts our self-esteem, our sexual self-confidence, and our overall sexual expression. And by the way, this information is for all genders. I think almost all of us have struggled with our bodies or have a partner or family member who struggled. This is a tough topic for most people, and that's why I'm so excited about today's episode. I'm hoping it will help anyone who's unhappy with their body size to feel better about themselves. I'm your host, Dr. Heather England, an executive coach, psychotherapist, and relationship expert. Welcome to the Great Sex Podcast, where we dive deep into the world of relationships, whether that's your relationship with yourself, the people who matter most to you, or your relationship with your sexuality. Before I start, I want to give a plug for the podcast. A crazy thing about podcasts is that there are almost 3 million of them, but most don't have more than a handful of episodes. Only 1% of podcasts make it to 20 episodes, and I'm already there. So yay, that's an accomplishment I feel really good about. Right now, this podcast is in the top 20% of all podcasts, and that's competing against all of those huge podcasts out there that are sponsored by businesses or have celebrity hosts or have been around for 10 years. I don't know where I rank in terms of sex and relationship podcasts, but I think it's probably much higher. I think it's really valuable content, and thus far, it's really been a labor of love. The time I spend on this is time I don't spend on something else in my life. I'm not charging money for the podcast yet, and it's one of the few that's still ad-free. So the best way right now to help me to keep this podcast going is to subscribe to it, share it with a friend, and leave a positive review or rating. And if you have time, I'd really appreciate your thoughts on what topics you'd like to see more of in 2024. After all, I'm doing this podcast to help people, and so I want to know what is it that you want to hear more about. So let's jump right in. Today, I'm so excited to have a chance to interview Cassie Wilnauer about this incredibly important topic. Cassie is a licensed therapist serving the Kansas City area, as well as residents of both Kansas and Missouri. She specializes in working with clients on issues of body image, sex, and sexuality. She's done training in perinatal mental health and practices from the health at every size model. I can't wait to ask about that. She's an ASEX certified sex therapist, and she's most interested in the intersection of fat phobia and sexuality. Woo, that is quite the bio, Cassie. Thanks. You are definitely well-trained to talk about this subject. I am so excited, and I can't wait to get into it with you. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, but as we start first... I would love to know a little more about your journey and what got you interested in this and how'd you get to this place? So I, I guess uh, it's sort of like 
two different paths in my life and then it has now all converged so on the one hand i thought for a long time like oh you know i think i'd be a good therapist and underneath that was always like i would love to be a sex therapist i've always felt more comfortable talking about sex than other people um i can think back to where you know where i worked in college i was a manager of this smoothie shop and i helped you know these teenagers just talking about all kinds of different things and often as teenagers do we're talking about sex and sexuality and i wasn't that much older than them and so they'd ask me for <laughs> advice and stuff and so i went to grad school became a therapist and then when the pandemic hit there were more opportunities to get training for sex therapy because at this point i had two kids and um doing it online was like incredibly helpful for me so that i didn't have mm -hmm. to travel somewhere to do um the really extensive training as you know that you have to do to become a sex therapist um and so i just you know the pandemic hit i wasn't working as much i mean i was seeing clients online but not as much and i was like well i have the time like let's do it um started working on that at the same time um maybe not even realizing how the two things kind of overlap for me like being a therapist and um just thinking about body image and bodies and all of that i started to become more aware of as you mentioned the health at every size movement um and intuitive eating and really got to a point where i was like wait i have literally dieted my entire life i have mm. constantly spent so much time and mental energy and energy energy um trying to manipulate the size of my body mm -hmm. so that it can be considered more socially acceptable um mm. and i just got to a point where i was like wait i don't actually have to do that like i don't actually have to do that um i love that and so i can talk a little bit about um the health at every size movement it's essentially um you know it's not perfect there are certainly flaws to it and it needs updating but it's also wildly helpful in that it's just it asks people to consider how we think about people in larger bodies and how we think about their health correlated to that so most often you know anybody walking down the street might you know I, we just visited this weekend we visited some of my husband's extended family and you know they're talking about weight and body size and how healthy someone looks and i'm just like that's not how health works <laughs> um, and and ultimately, you know, the health at every size movement is just saying, like, let's take into consideration all of the factors that contribute to someone's health. So, you know, like poverty and access to, you know, healthy foods mm -hmm. and fresh fruits and vegetables and um, how much of their life is dictated by having to constantly be trying to make sure they have enough money so that they can feed their families like that's not going to leave them much time to do like extracurricular exercise type activities um yeah or even leave them enough money to buy healthier foods because it's so much right. more expensive to eat healthy right you so know you know we 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 have to kind of think about it from like the social determinants of health perspective a little bit mm -hmm. more and also like you know, some people, it's, some people are just gonna live in a larger body and that does not inherently mean that they are not healthy. You know, like I eat way more vegetables than my husband does. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I imagine that people probably, well, because people are just, um, 
kinder about the appearance of a man than they are a woman. They probably look at him and think he looks like the healthier one of the two of us. Um, and neither of us are really in, you know, thin bodies, but. You know, this is reminding me of something. Um, I like to swim. It's my self care. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel good. I just love that feeling of being in the water. It's just incredible for me. It's, it's almost like spiritual. I mean, I literally I love I feel to the swim left. It's so great. <laughs> yeah. And so I was swimming, um, last summer one day and there was a woman swimming in the lane next to me and we started chatting at one end of the pool and you know, as we were both taking a little break and somehow the subject of health came up. And so it's so sad to me to think about the societal messages that we put on people on body size, because she made this comment, you know, cause she was a bigger bodied person and she said, well, I'm not really that healthy. And I said, uh, no, you are healthy. You look healthy. You swim for over an hour, five days of the week. I see you at this pool all the time. I said, that is a healthy thing to do. So if you oh tell gosh, yourself like you're heart, not healthy, yeah, it just makes me so sad. thinking about that cardiovascular activity. <laughs> <laughs> and, but it made me so sad for her because it made me think all these messages that we take on that become part of how we think about ourselves. You know, and so, yeah, so many times these messages are absolutely false. And you said another thing earlier that just, man, it tugged at my heart when you, you talked about all the mental energy you were spending thinking about your body, right? And your body size mm -hmm. and how to make it smaller. Like, it's like you're trying to do something that, I don't know, is it like a little bit like putting a red or a square peg into a round hole, Right. right trying, yeah. It's like our bodies are kind of designed to be a certain way. And I just don't want to fight it. Now, that's not to say that, like, as my body gets larger, as I move away from constantly trying to manipulate it to be smaller, like, there are times when I'm uncomfortable. There are times when I'm like, ugh, I really just wish that I could, I don't know, do X, Y, or Z and not feel annoyed. Like I was looking for a lamp before we got on this recording because the lighting is iffy in the room I'm in. Um, but I, I just, I was like, I don't want to go up the stairs because then I got to, then I, it's a whole flight of stairs. Like, you know, and like, that's annoying. I want to be able to do that. Now that being said, I also like got out of the habit of exercise because I had a foot injury that lasted mm. for eons. It was very frustrating, you know? So it's like that, I could sit here and I think a lot of people would that hadn't, that haven't done the personal work that I've done. I could sit here and I could be like, wow, like this is because I'm fat and I hate it, but it's really, it's not, we can't reduce it to just that. Like this is because my foot was injured for a long time and I got out of the habits that I was in where I did move my body with, you know, a pretty steady frequency. Like I was exercising a lot before that injury happened. And then the injury mm -hmm. turned into other injuries and it lasted like two and a half, three years. So it's yeah. like, yeah, it's been a minute. So mm -hmm. I'm going to get winded if I go up this flight of stairs and I really don't feel like dealing with that right now. Cause we're going to try to record where I need to talk without being winded. So. <laughs> well, I'm really curious about something. Um, I'm chuckling at you. You are so funny. A minute ago, you know, you talked about how you could have given yourself that potentially very negative message. Okay. About, oh, I can't go up the stairs because I'm, I'm fat. So <laughs> I know a lot of people listening to this, you know, they're doing the same thing. They're, 
they're looking at their bodies, they're judging themselves or giving themselves lots of negative messages, and it really impacts your overall self-esteem. So can you talk a little to that and, you know, just kind of if there's any way people can help think about making those messages be a little more positive, I mean, how would you help somebody in that situation? You know, um, when I work with clients, it's a lot of, it's, it's nothing new or different in terms of being a therapist. Um, it's all the stuff you already know as a therapist. It's all of like the, okay, well, like, is that actually true? Like, let's determine, is this a cognitive distortion? Like, is it actually true? Like the connections that we're making, um, the, the difference is like when you've done the work to, to be able to go, oh, like a lot of people walking down the street, anybody that you meet might go, well, might just accept that um, that like cause and effect of, oh, well, like you're winded because you're fat, right? Like they would be like, well, that's just true. And I think the thing that I've asked of clients is to, to go a little bit deeper than that. Like, let's be a little bit more specific. Is it really that, or is it that you don't go up and down the stairs very often because you have limited mobility? Or is it that like, I, I want people to be more specific so that they can just remove themselves from that narrative that says like everything about my body is my fault and everything about the way that my body looks is also causing all of my unhappiness in life. <laughs> it's just not right. actually and that direct of a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and so for listeners, um, I, I just want to clarify the what we talk about as therapists all the time is, you know, language for us. So cognitive distortions are thoughts that we might have, things we tell ourselves that are distorted. They're not necessarily grounded in fact. Okay. So what you are doing by helping people to change their narrative, it's also story is you're trying to help people challenge those thoughts so that they come up with a story. They're creating a story about what has happened or what's going on around them or how they feel that is grounded in truth, not grounded in some, some feeling or myth or perception or distortion. Right. No, that's exactly it. That was a way yeah, for I me to stop really the conversation. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. sorry what was that? <laughs> I said, well, that was a great way for me to stop the conversation right there. <laughs> Go ahead. You're, no, I you're... think I think it is really important for people to be able to tell their story in a new way. And that's such a big piece of it. And I think it's subtle little things too. You know, it's I uh, like I said, I we were visiting some of my husband's family this weekend and I just one of them talked about using one of the, you know, the new medications that everybody's raving about for weight loss, the injectables. Um, right. Was and, right. and all they were that. talking about using, using one of those. And they, they said, <laughs> I think they assumed, you know, they were a woman. I'm a woman. Um, they've lived in a larger body for most of their life. I too live in a larger body. I think they were assuming that like we could relate about a thing. Um, <laughs> and so they mentioned that they, they, oh yeah, I just took my injection yesterday. So I'm really going to feel like I have the flu tomorrow. And I think they thought that like, I was gonna, I don't know what they thought to be honest, but I just was like, wow, that sucks. <laughs> like just change the, like just change the topic. Cause like, I'm not, I'm not going to collude with your diet talk. Like I don't want to. And I think that's something that's really, um, 
that's something that's a, we don't think about being a really big help towards helping your own, like the, how you feel about yourself, how you think about yourself. But it really does change things when you're able to start to see what diet talk really looks like and choose mm-hmm. to just disengage from it. Um, it suddenly is no longer like we were talking about, like eating up so much of your time and your energy. Right. Um, and like, I don't know, not to get on a feminist rant, but I will a little bit like isn't that what patriarchy wants from women? Like, don't they want us distracted? Don't they want us to be obsessed about our appearance? Like we can just not, we don't have to, we don't have to. <laughs> like, and what will we do with the time and energy that we have? I mean, pass good legislation, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> well, can you share maybe with our listeners a little about how, I mean, a lot of this is not their fault you know, forget the patriarchy, just kind of our culture. Our culture sets us up as females to think that we have to look a certain way in order to feel accepted. We're so objectified, whether it's the whole beauty industry, you know, it's, it's weight, it's hair, it's makeup, it's, it's all of it combined. Yes. You know, it's so hard. I think there's, there's such a there's such a line because while i am a happily married person i have a little bit more freedom comfort i'm not sure what the right word is to sort of be content with how my body is but as as i work with clients that are trying to date mm-hmm. and really struggling with dating like there is a certain amount of like adhering to beauty standards that feels like a requirement um and i hear that the dating seems quite ugly just in general out there it sounds like apps are changing and the way that people engage is different and nobody wants to meet in person anymore i don't know it seems very messy. So I, I guess what I just want to give the caveat that like, I know that I have a privilege in this situation in that I'm already partnered very happily. And like, I'm not on the dating scene right now. Um, and that is a very unique place to be if you are a person that's walking around in a fat body, like, in, and I, that's very difficult. But part of what I would, would say to, to anybody that's, you know, struggling and, and having, having the way they feel about their body impact their relationships is just <laughs> let, let your partners see you. You know, if you're a person that's like, oh no, I make sure that no one ever sees me naked, or I always keep my shirt on for intimate time, or I like, they already know what you look like and allowing yourself to be seen and touched and experience that is so important. Um, That's beautiful. That is beautiful. And so you're getting into the next question, which is really all about how do you help people with their sexuality? So I love this. I love that you're going in that direction. Yeah. You know, a lot of different things. First, I really want to point out that like, if you, if you're a person whose body, like whose body has changed recently, maybe you had kids, maybe you have gone on sort of an intuitive eating health at every size journey of your own and, and are finding yourself coming out the other end of that with, you know, being in a larger body, um, certain things are not going to be as easy or certain like parts of sex or ways that you've had sex in the past, like might not be as pleasurable for you. Um, you might need to change that up and be open to that needing to be different. Um, the same is, I would say the same thing to someone who like maybe went on a medication for depression or anxiety, like, okay, those medications can often like make you struggle to have an orgasm. It doesn't mean that it's impossible. It might mean that now we need 
a vibrator or we need we need to include something else as a part of the equation because what worked before just isn't going to work now um and that can be true even if your body is the same size but you've given birth like all kinds of things can cause all kinds of things to just be different even going through menopause might cause Mm -hmm. you know certain things to change you need a different kind of stimulation you almost certainly will need lube you know when you maybe never did before like all of that stuff is going to be true and i think the thing that if you if a fat person a fat woman in particular but fat people in general are listening to this i would love for you to walk away knowing like it is not a lesser sexual experience if you are employing the use of things that make it easier for you to actually experience pleasure so if reaching the spot that you want to touch isn't as easy as it once was they make things for that and you should find them (laughs) and and use them um yeah i don't know and i yeah and that goes to what i think as sex therapists we talk to our clients about all the time which is just like you know, it doesn't have to look any one way. Do what works for you. Do what's fun for you. Do what the two of you actually like to do. Um, instead of feeling like, oh, well, it's supposed to look this way or it doesn't count. Who said that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Who did say that? You know, um, I might add a few links to the show notes for things that might be helpful. So yeah. I'll circle back with you on that later. That sounds great. Yeah, I'll yeah. definitely send you an email with some stuff. Yeah, I think that would be wonderful. You know, a lot of times people just don't even know about options that are out there for them, and they don't even know how to find out. I think that's mm-hmm. very true. <laughs> I've had people I know, clients and other people talk about how hard it is for them to show their bodies during sex, and they want to stay clothed and how just emotional it is for them. I, I, mm-hmm. I assume some of it is shame. And to go through that, that emotion of being seen, especially being seen by a partner for the first time. Yeah, I guess the thing I say to those clients, you know, if they're coming to me is like, well, it doesn't have to be all at once. You're allowed to do what makes you comfortable. I mean, there are plenty of people that um, have ADHD and they struggle to stay focused. And so then they struggle with arousal or response when it, you know, in the middle of, they're like, I wanted to be here and I can't stop thinking about, I don't know, the clothes that are sitting on the chair across the room. Like I tell people all the time, like play with removing one of your senses. If that means blindfolding or that means turning off the lights in the room, like that's okay. And if that's what you need to do also to be able to get mm-hmm. to a place where you're more comfortable sharing more of your body with your partner, then do that too. You know, I don't, there is, there are thousands of steps between I leave my shirt on no matter what during sex and I stand naked in a room full with all Mm -hmm. the lights on (laughs) and you get to take as many steps as you need in between. (laughs) What a great message for people, right? Because one, they get to do it the way they need to do it to be comfortable. There's no one size fits all. But I love that you said there are a whole bunch of steps so people can think a little more out of the box about, okay, what's a little nudge I can take to get in the direction of where I want to go? In a way, that's kind of what I'm trying to do with this podcast. I'm not going to radically change people's sex lives overnight, but- Mm -hmm or their relationships, okay, and and how they feel about their partners. But if they just take little baby steps in a direction, they will eventually make progress towards that direction. And so Mm -hmm. many people just kind of give up. They're like, you know, it's like a black and white thing. Yeah. 
and it's not and sometimes the thing you know especially if you're working with i don't know if you're working with anybody that's in a relationship every every relationship you know it consists of people who have patterns of how they've communicated with each other for a long time and it's hard to go outside of that and establish a new pattern but that's something that i talk with clients about all the time is it's like look like if you're used to being in the habit of talking negatively about your body and maybe your partner does that too but you're trying to change that like i'm sure your partner i'm hoping that your partner is not talking badly about your body but them talking bad about their own body is going to impact how you feel about yours too. Because if they hate the way their stomach looks and you don't have a flat stomach either, like that's just not going to feel great. And I think finding ways to communicate with your partner is like, Hey, so I'm really trying, you know, I've been reading this book or I listen to this podcast and I've been really trying to lean into, you know, talking about my body with a little bit more positivity or at least not putting it mm -hmm. down so that I can feel a little more content or at peace. And that's, yeah, that's really important. And that's just good relationship building stuff. Anyway, we're not going to stay the same throughout the course of our lives. So we have to talk about how we're going to navigate when we're making changes. Exactly. And you know, I'm older and as I've gotten older, my body has changed. My husband's body's changed. Uh, it is freakishly weird to have an aging body. It's, you know, it's not my mind map of what my body's supposed to look like, right? But yeah. Yeah, I'm not 20 anymore. And so I've got wrinkles and sags and a little more in some places, a little less in some places. And it, it takes, it's an adjustment to all of that, you know, yeah. but we both ex accept that in one another, mm -hmm. right? So rather than ragging, like if I rag on myself about how bad my body looks, maybe my husband's going to notice more about how bad my body looks too, right? Right. It's just like, well, I don't, it feels like wasted energy to me, yes. you know? Well, it, it, it is. Does. It, yeah. But you're a very positive person, I can tell. Uh, sometimes I have I had- I try to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. Sometimes I have had- a couple in my office and one of them makes comments like, well, I would be more interested in sex or I would be more turned on if they lost 20 pounds. I have never had that experience. Mm. I've had individuals say that um, with their partner not there. I've never had anybody say that with their partner there. I think if they did say that, I mean, honest, I'm pretty blunt. I'm pretty blunt with clients. And I think the thing that I would say is like, here's the problem. You're married to her. <laughs> here's the problem. You're married to him. Like you're married to this person. This is what their body looks like. And we can pull out statistics to talk about how unlikely it actually is to long-term be able to manipulate your body to be smaller, which is dismal. Or you can learn to love the partner that you have. I mean, to me, it feels so, it's like saying, oh, my partner's autistic and they have a really hard time making eye contact with me. I need eye contact. That's a part of what I need in a partner. Well, we have a problem then because right. you may never get that from this partner. That's, I, that's really how I feel about it is it's like, if you need your partner to be in a smaller body, that might, you might need a different partner. And I, I don't, you know, a lot, a lot of times at that point, if that's what they say, like, I, 
and it's an initial session, like I'm going to steer the conversation other directions because I don't think that that's actually the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, because if that's the thing that you're holding on to, you maybe don't actually like your partner that much or mm -hmm. love them. <laughs> yeah. I, I like how you're unpacking all of that. When, when I've had that happen, I've explored with the clients like, well, why is that a problem for you? You know, like what's going on there? What's your idea of what a body's supposed to look like? to try to see if there's any kind of myth they have in their head. You know, if they have kind of mm -hmm. this template of, of what sex is supposed to be like, what their partners are supposed to be like. But the other conversation I get into is similar to what you just talked about with the, what I need my partner to be. I'd like to talk about deal breakers and non-deal breakers. In fact, I, yep. I'm in, I think January, I have an episode on that. But, you know, deal breakers are the things that are going to end your relationship. You're right. You, they're just things you can't handle. Like it's whether for some people it's cheating, for other people it might be political beliefs or religious beliefs, but you're just not, yep. you can't stay in a relationship with that person because of that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Non-deal breakers are things that you have to change about yourself in order to learn to live with that person. So you're never going to change your partner's body their body size, just like for someone who's autistic and doesn't like eye contact, you're never going to change that about your partner. So how do you change yourself so that doesn't bug you so much? How do you change yourself also, so that you're still really turned on, even if your partner does have 20 extra pounds? The other thing I like to point out to people too is like, okay, here's the thing. Attraction is extremely subjective. And I would bet that if, you know, the joke list that people talk about having, like, oh, if I ever come into contact with these five celebrities, that's my hall pass, like that joke. I would bet that if you go through that list, they don't all look the same. Mm -hmm. Every single one of those people does look different. And I tell this to people that come to me struggling with their own, like, well, I just don't know if like my partner's attracted to me. And I would say it to the person that's coming saying, I don't know if I'm attracted to my partner. And I would say, look, like you're not only attracted to one thing. So like you're imagining this losing 20 pounds thing to mean something that it maybe doesn't actually mean. And maybe at the heart of it, what they, what they want is their partner to stop complaining about how they feel. Cause mm -hmm. I've definitely had that, you mm -hmm. know, they want their partner to stop complaining about how ugly they feel. And it's like, they're like, I just need them to stop talking about this. So maybe, maybe that's the trick. If they just lost this 20 pounds, we could be done with this conversation because I just, and they're like, as soon as they say, oh, I feel fat today, they're like, yeah, we won't be having sex for another week. Yeah, that's real. No, I, I think you've made a really great point. Wow. So we've got about four to five minutes left. Okay. And I just want to go back and kind of recap a few of the things that you said. One was, I heard you say, you need to challenge your narrative. So mm -hmm. if you are struggling with body image challenge your narrative, challenge all those thoughts and see if they're distorted or if they are grounded in truth. Absolutely. Yeah. The next thing I heard was if you want to enhance your sexuality to, you know, let your partner see you. Don't feel like you have to hide your body, like own your body, be comfortable in your body, feel authentic yeah. and take however many steps you need to take to get to that place. 
Okay. Yeah. And if it takes you a while, it takes you a while, but do what you need to do for you. And then that kind of piggybacks into the third big thing I heard you talk about. And that was, you know, sex is different for everyone. And you may need to modify how you have sex or do some things differently. Your playbook may have to expand or change. You may have to redefine what sex is. You may have to use some extra accoutrements or something to help you with sex, but do whatever it is that works for you so you can have the kind of sexual pleasure that you want and that you deserve. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think the one thing I might add is to say that if you're someone who's struggling so much in the moment, like you want to have sex, you start having sex, you want to be there, but you can't stop thinking about your body. Like mm. that's when I, I always encourage for people to think about like using mindfulness. It's we're going to meditate, but we're not going to meditate to clear our brain entirely. We're going to meditate to come back to the physical sensations to get out of our heads thinking about our body and actually experiencing our body um and some of that might mean like slowing down and just saying oh wait i think i need a minute like we got to recalibrate things because i can't stop the train of thought and so we just got to switch something up i think that's another that's probably like one of the last points i'd really want to make for people is like okay if you're really distracted there are, there are things to do about that. You don't just have to like, be like, well, I don't know. It'll be over soon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, it is amazing to me how much everyone, well, especially females, not to be gendered, but really a lot of times it's the female brain that's distracted because we carry such a mental load of all the things mm -hmm. that have to get done in life, right? Yep. Uh, you know, we're the ones thinking about all that stuff, doing all that stuff, planning all that stuff. So those thoughts just kind of intrude in our brains at all sorts of strange times, like even when we're having sex. Oh my mm -hmm. gosh. Did I flip the laundry? Did I turn off the coffee pot? Oh, oh shoot. I need to like call the doctor. I need to, you know, call the, my kid's teacher. I need to put that note in their backpack. Oh, I wonder oh. if we're doing enough to make sure that our kid is not a jerk when they're an adult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so, so it's interesting, you know, you wouldn't think mindfulness. I, when I first became a sex therapist, I was like, mindfulness, you're using mindfulness to help mm -hmm. you have better sex. But it's not, I love that you said it's not meditation. It's you're learning to harness your thoughts. You're learning to not let your thoughts completely overtake you. So they're not right. the ones driving the bus. You know, you're driving exactly. the bus and the thoughts, you can let the thoughts come and go. Right. So if the thought intrudes with mindfulness, you learn, okay, I can just let that thought go right now. I don't have to hyper-focus on it and have it completely ruin the experience. Yeah. And I think so many people will not be able to get back to actually enjoying whatever's going on physically at, at that moment. And that's why I say like, take a break, switch what you're doing, like allow your body to catch up to whatever's going on. And if that requires, like, I just, I hate the idea of anyone being engaged in some kind of sexual activity. And at some point just going, well, whatever, like, we'll just let this keep going, like participate participate. I and love even that. if that means saying, you know what, never mind, I need I actually need to be done. Mm -hmm. But be an active participant enough to right. be able to do that. 
Yes. Be an active participant because you have agency, you have a choice, yeah. you have control, right? You're just not there, you know, right. being, being a submissive participant. Yeah. Oh, well, I think we did it. Thank you so much so. for being here today. I really, really appreciate it. I think that this is great content and I think we could have talked a lot longer about all of this. So thank you yeah. again. Oh yeah, it was great. I really appreciate you having me. All right. And in the show notes, I will add some other resources. Maybe I'll get a few books from you, Cassie, that mm -hmm. may be helpful resources for people if they want to learn more about how to help themselves with this. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. All right. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for joining me on today's episode. If you found this episode valuable, please subscribe, share the podcast with a friend that might enjoy it and leave a positive review. Until next time, my wish for you is to create fabulous relationships and live your best life.